Hello, everyone, and welcome. My name is Jana Panaritis, and you're listening to the AgeWise podcast, where we give you strategies for aging well and wisely. And how do you do that when on top of struggling to meet the demands of your own life, you're also caring for an aging parent or a spouse, or maybe you're caring for another member of your family? Well, we're here to help. Each week, we'll hear from the experts, professionals in the field of aging, and people like you, unsung heroes rising to the occasion of caring for a loved one and finding unexpected rewards along the way. So stick around for some straight talk on aging in all its unpredictable glory. Nearly seven years ago to the day, my father died unexpectedly of heart failure. He was 79 years old, and his death threw our family into a spiral of grief that hit my mother the hardest. The spry, spirited mother I'd spoken with on the phone just hours before my father died transformed in an instant into a barely functioning, much older-seeming 80-year-old woman. After my father's death, my mother fell into a months-long depression complicated by what was eventually diagnosed as the early stages of Alzheimer's disease. Without warning, I became her primary caregiver, making up everything as I went along, navigating in the dark as I tried to fulfill my frail mother's needs. How I wish I'd known about the services of today's guest. Her name is Candy Cohn, and she's the owner of Yaffa Senior Services, which is dedicated to helping older adults and their family members make the best choices for care and living situations as they age. And guess what? Candy's services are free to you, fellow caregivers. I can't wait to hear her story. Candy Cohen joins us from Delray Beach, Florida. Candy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me this morning, Jana. <laughs> I know that you're originally from Philadelphia. Tell us how you got to Florida and how long you've lived here. I've been in Florida 30 years, and I was married at the time to a physician who joined a practice in Florida. So we started out in Stewart and uh, Palm City, which is about an hour north of where I am now. I've been in Delray Beach for about 10 years. And you've worked in healthcare and senior living for lots of years. Tell us about the sort of the areas that you've worked in. Yes, I've been in healthcare marketing for um, probably about 25 years or so. Mm -hmm. I did uh, newsletters and uh, I was an independent contractor doing all kinds of marketing for medical practices and eventually I ended up as the marketing director for a company called Flexite Diagnostics. Hmm. We made mail-in lab tests for diabetes patients. Hmm. It's a very innovative company and after that I ended up working at the Visiting Nurse Association which was my entree into the senior care world. Okay. And I know that your own experience of moving your parents from one living situation to the next kind of took you to where you are now. Can you tell us about that experience and sort of take us through that? Sure. About five years ago, my father got ill. My parents, they were in their late 80s. They were living in a 55-plus community called Kings Point, a huge community here in Delray. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I had met a woman a few years prior to that who did what's called Medicaid diversion applications. And I didn't know what that was. And she explained it to me that it's money that's available. It's a different kind of Medicaid. It's not Medicaid that pays for doctor's appointments and, you know, regular health care. 
it's Medicaid that pays for long-term care, and that could be either assisted living or home health, private duty home health. And I was so interested because my parents did not have a lot of money, and I thought, wow, so if the need ever is there, they, there will be money possibly available. And she asked me if my father was a veteran, and he was. So she said there's also money available through the VA called VA Aid and Attendance. And again, that's for the same thing, for assisted living and private duty home health care. So I was ecstatic. I called my brothers and I said, guess what? You know, when mom and dad need to get some care, there's going to be some money available. So I told this woman, I don't need your help right now, but I will. And when I do, I'll call you. So hence, three years later, uh, my dad got ill and I did call her and I said, I think it's time to get some help for my parents, probably to move them to an assisted living. She said, the first thing you need to do is find the assisted living facility and I'm going to refer you to a senior living advisor. So she referred me to her friend and he helped us. He met with us in my parents' home and that night my dad ended up in the emergency room. Oh my. Yeah, so the next day though, even with my dad in the hospital, we went at, my mother and I went out with this senior living advisor and we looked at three senior living facilities and it was interesting because my mother had, we had looked at something about a year before that, and she said, oh, no, I can't live with all those old <laughs> people. <laughs> but here we were in a crisis, and she knew she had to do this. So her attitude was much better. And it was also better because we had this senior care advisor helping us. When you have a third-party professional who's an expert, it helps the process so much. You know, she mm -hmm. respected him. She didn't get mad at him like she would me. And <laughs> it was a really, really good process. So we looked at three places and she made her decision quickly. She knew which one she liked. And uh, within five weeks, we had my parents packed up, which was a huge job. She, you know, she's not a hoarder, but she's a... <laughs> mm -hmm. She saves everything. Right. So uh, we packed them up, got them moved in, and uh, my mom still lives there four and a half years later. And my dad, unfortunately, passed away two and a half years ago. Mm. But I was, I was so happy I moved them in together because when he did pass away, she had friends. Yeah. And she had people looking out for her. And mm. that's so comforting to me. Oh, yeah. What sort of illness did your father have? He had bipolar depression. Oh, gosh. He was, he was on medication, uh -huh. and, you know, even so, every eight or nine years, he would kind of cycle and have a major episode. This last one was the worst I'd ever seen. He was usually, in the previous ones, he was usually either manic or depressed. Uh -huh. This time, it was up and down every day. He was manic, then he was depressed. He was angry. He was, he was a mess. So it was scary. It was very, very and that's what put him in the hospital? How did he end up in the emergency room? He had been in the depression for probably a week at that point, and I had tried to get him into the local mental health facility at the local hospital, and they had no beds available. Oh. So finally I called one that's about 40 minutes away, and he had been there before, about 10 years before that, and I asked them if they had beds, and they said yes. And I said, well, how do I bring them in? And they said, just come into the emergency room. Hmm. So that. That night, he was out of control, and I did. I took him to the emergency room, and so he, he's, he was in the hospital for a couple of weeks. And the way I ended up in this as a career, 
I was an independent contractor doing marketing for different clients and the senior placement advisor that helped us, his business was fairly new. So being a good marketer, I said, do you need help with your marketing? Right. Good for (laughs) you. We sat down to talk. This was a few months after my parents were all settled in. And uh, after we talked for a while, he said, you know, besides just doing marketing for me, you seem really fascinated and passionate about this. I could train you and you could work with me and do this. And that's how I got into the business. Oh, that's really great. Just backing up a moment, when did your parents move down here? And what was that like? Did they come down from Philadelphia? Yeah, we moved here at the same time, interestingly. They were already looking to move to Florida because they both had siblings here and they were tired of the cold weather, and that was their plan. So Hmm. when I started to consider moving to Florida, they were thrilled. So we did come down at the same time. We didn't move to the same area. They moved to Fort Lauderdale, and I moved to Jensen Beach, Stewart. And eventually, after I started having children, then they moved close to me because they wanted to be near their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. But it's nice that they came down here not under duress, sort of like somebody's got to look after mom and dad. Who's going to make the move? Where, you know, because that's how it often happens, right? Right. Um, So it was good that they were already here and that I was here, yes. Right. Do you have any other siblings in the area? Not in the area. I have one brother is still in Philadelphia and the other brother is in Chicago. Oh, okay. So where are you in the birth order? (laughs) I'm the baby. The baby. The baby baby and the only girl. Yeah. So how's your mom doing? My mom's doing great. She's 93. She's in great condition. She looks much younger than her age. She Uh has no walker, no cane. Oh, gosh. She is lucky. And uh, she loves the assisted living facility. She eats dinner with the same three women every night. So they've become her good friends. Hmm. And she goes to the activities. They have presentations and they have parties. Uh, She doesn't play cards or anything. You know, people who play cards, they spend a lot of time doing that. And that's really nice. And there's other activities there that she doesn't always go to. She goes to what she feels like. You know, nobody's, she's not under any pressure. Mm -hmm. But dinner every night with the three women is a regular thing. And that's really important. That's her social time. So is this being paid for with Medicaid dollars? Is that how you, because I know assisted living can be very expensive. Talk about the financial piece and how that's working for you. So Medicaid, my father was able to get because he needed services. He needed help dressing and showering. He needed someone to manage his medications. Those are the kinds of things the long-term care Medicaid will pay for. Mm -hmm. My mother doesn't need any of those services. But the VA aid and attendance helps pay for the rent. And that's really what helped so much. Um, So when my dad was alive, they were getting $2,000 a month towards the rent from the VA. And then he was getting $1,200 a month for the Medicaid, which paid for the services, the assisted living services. Uh And then the rest is their Social Security. So then once my father passed away, what I didn't know, even though I was in the business already, was I had to reapply for my mother to get the widow's benefit. Mm Mm-hmm. And it went through quickly, much quicker than the first time around. So she now gets eleven forty nine a month. That's the widow's benefit. And that plus the Social Security is paying for her to be in the assisted living. She's in a reasonably priced assisted living, so she, she can afford it with that money. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think about your mom moving in with you? Or will she stay where she is? Uh, 
No, yeah, she'll stay where she is. I mean, it's not healthy for us to live together. You know, I love her and she loves me, but we fight and it's all the things that happen, all the dynamics of family. She wouldn't want to live with me. And it's nice that she has her own place and that she has friends. Having peers is really important for uh, elderly people. Living with their children is not the same. So lots of people, myself included, uh, wait way too long to get outside help for our parents or other family members who rely on us for support. Why do you think people wait so long and how do you know when it's time to get help? I think people wait so long because they're afraid, first of all, and they're in denial and they just hope things will fall into place. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, you know, just like, so it's amazing what they wait, you know, they wait to get all their papers in order. You know, you have to have a power of attorney, you have to have your will, you have to have the living will and so many things. So, you know, people that you would like successful people that you think are so well organized Mm -hmm. and that they plan for everything. Then you find out they don't have a lot of these things in order. They haven't made funeral arrangements. I mean, it's just, I think it's because we're afraid. Everyone's afraid to think about death. And they they think if they talk about these things, they don't want to. They just don't want to face it. Right. So I try to get out in the community and educate people about all these things. And, you know, the fact that my services are free I try to encourage them, just come talk to me, meet with me, and I can at least educate you, even if you're not ready, even if it's for in a year or two years. If you know your options, then if a crisis does occur, you don't have to panic, and you can make a reasonable decision. And my services are free because the senior living communities and facilities pay me a commission when I place someone. Mm -hmm. And I have contracts with all the facilities for the most part, so my decision on where to take someone and to give them tours and where do I encourage them to move is not based on money. Uh, you know, I get a similar commission from all the places and I truly am passionate about this. And, you know, even if I can't help someone in a way that I get paid for, I still help them. You know, I network a lot in the senior care community, so I can be a good resource. If someone calls me and has a question, I usually know where to send them even if I'm not the right person. Mm -hmm. So how does it work? I mean, what is the process? And when people come to you, what sort of emotional state are they in? I mean, I'm sure it varies, but um, maybe you could give us an example without naming names. Yeah, no, it definitely varies. I have a client right now, the son called me, and often it's the children that call me. It's probably about 50-50 that it's the children versus the parents. Mm-hmm. So the son called me, and his father's been getting ill. His parents are living on their own in um, a house in South Florida. He lives up north in New Jersey, mm-hmm. and his parents started having some medical issues. And then his father fell, and then he was in the emergency room, so the son came down. And while the son was here, he discovered that his parents had a ton of debt that he had no idea about. And their whole world was crumbling, and he really didn't know. Because, you know, they're so proud, seniors, and they Mm -hmm. don't want their children to know, and especially if the children don't live here. Mm -hmm. So he's panicking, trying to figure out, you know, what to do and how they'll even be able to afford anything. So, you know, he said, I I don't know what I need from you, but I, I just, I need you. Someone referred me to you, and can you help me? So I said, let's meet, you know. So I met with him. 
and with his parents. And, you know, I gave them some suggestions for how to handle the financial end. And I referred them to a financial advisor and an elder law attorney. So they got started with that process. And then I took the mother on tours of several facilities. And this coming week, I'm going to take her to a couple more. And at this point, this is just a couple weeks later, now they've put the house on the market. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. So they've really made good progress. And I'm really, really pleased about that. And I have another client who he's also in New York and his parents are here. Both parents keep falling. They keep calling 911. And I've taken them on tours and the mother just will not move. And now, you know, she fell again. He called me the other day. And what I'm really encouraging is that we get a, a mental health therapist in, psychotherapist, to talk to the mother and try to help her accept that it's time to do this. So that's what we're working on. And I strongly encourage that. And this particular mental health group, they accept Medicare. So there's no charge. And it's just a matter of the senior, you know, a lot of the seniors are not used to dealing with issues the way we boomers are. You know? right. We go for therapy. We talk about it. Right. They're too proud. They don't, you know, they don't talk about it. What? What's she going to tell me? Uh, what's she going to tell me that I don't know? <laughs> oh, my God. Right. It's such a process. I know you're based in Florida, but you clearly you have people coming from out of state. So when people come down to visit with their folks, I mean, it must be so hard because I would imagine that some of them go back to New York or wherever without anything resolved. And so... It sounds like you've moved the needle on these two cases that you cited, but have you had situations where it's just taken months and months and months, and how do you move through that? I mean, because you're really absorbing a lot of emotions from different players, so to speak. I definitely am, you know, and I have I have one client right now where I was ready to help them, and then the daughter who had initially contacted me said, everything's on hold. My sister stepped in, and she's trying to take control of everything. Oh, and God. She said, now we're not speaking, and so I, got, I have that going on with them. I don't know what's going to happen. As far as one that is taking a long time, yes, I have a client who the mother lives here, daughter's in New York, and I, I've been working with them for a year and a half. Oh, wow. <laughs> and the mother, wow. there's all, one thing after another, excuses why she can't move, why she won't move. I've taken her to more places than I would like to because it's overwhelming. You know, it's best to go to just maybe three or four places, especially if I'm taking them because I take them to a variety of places trying to match their needs. You know, this woman just wants to see every single place within, I mean, in her her area where she'll look is is huge. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I said, look, you're just trying to delay the decision at this point. You know, there's no reason to see any more places. You've seen places you like. And what's Um, the response? Oh, I don't know. And I'll have to talk to my daughter. And I am really struggling with this one. And I asked her if she would be willing to talk to the psychotherapist that takes Medicare. And she doesn't want to. So yeah, I'm trying to get in touch with the daughter. Now the daughter just went in the hospital for some. Oh, no. So yeah, this one is, is probably one of my more challenging as far as just that it's going on and on and on. You know, I've had more challenging cases, just crises happening. This is not a crisis. It's just dragging out. Right. Do you feel like you become the surrogate daughter? Because you're very personable, I I can tell. So, and, and, and how do, how do other family members react to that? And what is that dynamic like for you? 
Um, I love it, and I have to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know, in the beginning, it was hard. I did more things than I should be doing for them, and I realized I can't. I can't do that. Uh-huh. Um, the children are great. They're not, as far as towards me, they're not resentful about that. They appreciate the help. They want the help. So I, I just really enjoy it, and I really have come to appreciate the elderly. I love hearing their stories. You know, you look at it's so sad in our culture that we don't respect the elderly. They have such wisdom and such experience. You know, you see this kind of frail little old person. And if you just take one look, you think, you know, most the average person doesn't think much of them. But if you just would look in their eyes and start to talk to them, you just will be amazed what you're going to hear. I agree. There are lots of different ways to pay for things, right? Right. And long-term care, I know long-term care premiums are very expensive. And I feel like there's just too many options. And how do you sort through all that stuff? Do you look at the particular situation and say, okay, do you have this? Do you have that? What is your assessment like? Right. I go in and do an assessment either in their home or the hospital or rehab, wherever they are. And sometimes the children are there, sometimes not. And so I start by just asking them what's going on. Why, you know, why did you call me and what's, what's changed in your life that's, think, that's making you think it's time to do something. And they'll tell me you know, their story. And then I ask, what specific activities of daily living do you need assistance with? Do you need help dressing, bathing, someone to manage your medications? Mm-hmm. Do you still drive? What kind of things do you like to do? And do you need someone to help you to go do some of those things, you know, maybe activities or whatever. And then I talk about finances. So I ask them if they have a long-term care insurance policy. If they do, it's wonderful. I'm so pleased. And most of the older policies are really good. Newer ones, there's a huge variety of policies out there. If they don't have long-term care insurance, I talk to them about their finances and what they get social security and uh, any other monthly income and do they have any assets, do they own their home. Then, especially if the finances are slim, I ask if they are a veteran and uh, then I tell them about the VA aid and attendance and I can refer them to an elder law attorney that can help them apply for that or a consultant that can advise them on it. And I also tell them about the long-term care Medicaid. And same thing, I refer them to the professionals that help them with that. And then we talk about location. Where do they want to be? Do they need to be near their doctors? Where are the doctors? Are there friends somewhere that they want to be near? Uh, children, family. So then we've narrowed it down to the price they can pay, location, what kind of services they need. And then I try to just get a feel for what they're like. Are they a sociable person? Do they want to be in a really upscale if they have the money for it and they want to be in an upscale community? There's still even different types of upscale communities. You know, Mm -hmm. do they want to be in a really friendly place or do they want more of a place where everybody comes from country club life and that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and then there's all different size communities so you know I try to get a feel if they want to be around a lot of people or smaller communities better for them senior living consists of independent living assisted living memory care and skilled nursing facilities so that's the whole range. And there's also buy-in communities. Those are called CCRCs. Right. 
someone that has a lot of money can look at those, but usually you want to be in your you know early 80s, no older. Mm-hmm. Uh, usually a good investment if you're older. But besides these, all the communities I've just listed, there's these small residential assisted living facilities that are about six beds. It's almost like a bed and breakfast. Mm -hmm. It's owned by a nurse and there's always a nurse on duty. And it's for people that need a lot of care. They might have dementia. They might be in a wheelchair. They're not in a position to be really social anymore and they need loving care, and these are very loving environments. It's not institutional at all. It's a home. Mm -hmm. So those places are not well known, and you really need an advisor like me to take you to those and to know which ones are good. They have assisted living licenses, so Mm -hmm. they're regulated by ACA, the Healthcare Administration, and, you know, I take people to those places when they need a lot of care. Mm -hmm. It's a very tailored approach, it sounds like, yeah. right? And in some of these online services, I won't mention any names, but <laughs> you know, you fill out an application and then they send your information to 100 places and you get a ton of calls and mail and right. they're, not, they're not looking out for your needs. They're not tailoring it. And they're not meeting with you ever. You know, I go, I meet with the people and then I take them on the tours. I drive them if they want me to or mm-hmm. I I meet them there, and then I afterwards we talk about it and assess and evaluate everything they've seen, and I try to help them through the decision. And also, if they need home health care, I can get them that as well. And if I'm getting them a caregiver, I remain as their go-to person, so they're not just talking to someone on the phone at the home health agency. Mm-hmm. I'll bet the sons and daughters really love you. I mean, you really <laughs> provide a service that a lot of sons and daughters don't want to deal with, for lack of a better phrase. You know, they just want to get it over with, and they want to be able to visit mom or dad wherever they end up being. And it's tough because, obviously, we all have complicated lives, and some of us are closer to our parents than others. So you've given me some examples, but I'm wondering if there was any particular situation where you were kind of bummed out that it just just didn't work out. My worst case scenario was a woman who really needed to move and her long-term care insurance policy wouldn't pay out. And I did eventually refer her to an attorney that specializes in fighting those cases. In the process, she actually passed away. Oh, That was probably my worst one. You know, I've placed a number of people at the same place where my mom lives. So I love because I get to see them all the time. I love seeing them. And I do follow up. That's another thing that's a unique feature of my company. I call them and meet with them after they've moved in. I go check on them and make sure everything's okay. You know, sometimes they're not great about speaking up and there might be something that they need or questions they have and they were too embarrassed to ask at the assisted living facility. And I'm able to help get them really situated by that, by visiting them afterwards. Mm-hmm. How widespread is this kind of service that you offer? I don't, my sense is that it's not really on people's radar, but this sounds like a really good model for helping people, but I just don't think a lot of people know about it. Why is that? What well, do you think? You know, it's true that a lot of people don't know about it. I think it's fairly new. People doing their business model as I am, it's probably less than 10 years old. You know, there yeah. are there are geriatric care managers who've been around a, longer, um, but not that long. People know sometimes about those people, but 
geriatric care managers charge an hourly rate. You know, they charge anywhere from 75 to 150 an hour. And they're doing, it takes a lot of time to take people on tours. Right, right. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask about how you differ from geriatric care managers, right? So it's the business model that's different. Right. And they do different things than I do. So Mm -hmm. I get referrals from geriatric care managers sometimes because they don't necessarily want to spend their time taking people on tours. Right. So they'll refer to me. They and I refer to them because they're often um, a, a nurse or some kind of medical professional, and they can handle the complex parts of managing the care. Right. Um, you know, managing the doctors. They'll even go with people to doctors' appointments, and they'll help you know deal with the complexities of the hospital situations and what do you do you know when you have to go in and when you come out and all of that. Uh, so, so we can complement each other, and we do. Hmm. Uh, but the, you know, we all. I'm very, very active in the senior care community here. I'm president of a big organization called Elder Services Resource Network. Uh, we're about 150 senior care professionals, including financial advisors and elder law attorneys. And we meet once a month and we uh, have an educational presentation so that we can all stay up on the latest. And we do all try to get out into the community and give presentations. So I think, you know, our goal is to educate the public and we're all doing different things to do that. So hopefully, you know, hopefully in time, people will will be more aware that these services exist. Mm -hmm. Um, The person who connected us to each other told me that you both have an affinity with the Alzheimer's Association. What's the connection for you personally? Yeah, my mother's two sisters both had Alzheimer's, and uh, they developed it late. My mother is 93. They both passed away in their Mm mid-90s. So they developed it at about 92, 93, so I'm certainly on the lookout for it with my own mother. So that's my connection to Alzheimer's personally, and then just because I deal with so many clients that have it, and it's there's no cure for Alzheimer's, and it's scary. We're all scared of getting it. So I got really active in the Alzheimer's Association. I was the chair of the Broward Walk to End Alzheimer's, and then I'm still active. I'm on the committee for both Broward and Boca. We have a walk in Boca, too, Boca Raton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the woman that connected us, she has a personal connection, family connection, and she's passionate about it as Mm -hmm. well. Mm, That's really great. Well, do you have any last thoughts? I want to let you go, but I want to offer you the opportunity to say some last thoughts if you have any for our listeners. Well, I just would welcome any questions at any time. Don't feel like you're being a nuisance to call me. Um, I love helping people, and I can help people in other states. Uh, I'm able to develop relationships with people in my same profession. And I've done that. You know, if I know a specific area, I will reach out and I will vet them on the phone and make sure they're as passionate and caring as I am. And so I've been able to do that as well. Great. And where can people go to find out more about your services? They can go to my website, which is www.yafa, that's Y-A-F as in Frank, F as in Frank, A, Senior Services. Or they can call me, 772-486-4914. Why the name Yaffa? It's my Hebrew name. Candy Cohn, she's the owner of Yaffa Senior Services, dedicated to helping caregivers and their families through the maze of senior living and home health options. Keyword, options. 
We'll have more information on the AgeWise website about Candy's company, so be sure to check that out. Even if you don't live in Florida, as she said, she can help you. She's got all kinds of information about the cost of care in your state, plus resources you can tap into for senior and disabled individuals. Candy, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been great chatting with you, and I love your energy. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with an all-new episode. In the meantime, if you don't want to miss any episodes, head on over to agewise.com. That's A-G-E-W-Y-Z, or Z, as my Canadian mother says, and subscribe to the podcast. And hey, while you're there, use our search feature to find and have a listen to episodes where guests talk about issues of specific interest to you. Chances are, whatever caregiving challenge you're facing, we've interviewed someone who's gone through a very similar situation. The AgeWise podcast is produced by me, Jana Panaritis, and it's distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the 24-7 streaming and on-demand network that's always on for you. If you'd like to be on the show or just tell us what you think about it, send an email to Jana at agewise.com. Remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.